Let's go. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Hey, it's the Love and Our Wake podcast, and we're really glad you've joined us today. Together with Ben Teefy and Jason Aitchison, we are diving into theology to talk real life and learn how we, like Jesus, can leave love in our wake. I am Bethany Thompson. Let's Go. Let's go. The fear when Pastor Ben just spoke of like, <laughs> let's go. The music's going, man. We don't talk at that point. We're not allowed to. Because <laughs> it didn't come. That music didn't come through here. Jason, oh, really? we don't but live by laws. We actually live <laughs> yeah. a virtuous life. You know, when you can do whatever you want, you don't even wait for the music to start. Uh, there you go. There you go. What do you do when you do whatever you want? <laughs> Get it on. You get it on, man. We've got time. We've got time. We've got people to see. (laughs) Okay, this is a loose start, but welcome. Uh, Welcome. We're really glad you've joined us. And if you were with us last week, last episode, we kind of opened up, not so much a can of beans, but something that's got a lot of depth and um, profoundness, which was living a virtuous life, an alternate path to just doing whatever you want, whenever you want, and however you want, and kind of um, alternate path to romanticizing and living by feelings as your compass. And there is this alternate path and so we talked about upholding kind of a virtuous life and living a life of moral principle that then is better for you but also better for others Mm. and so if we want to live this path if we want to have a flourishing life is another word that we used is what is a flourishing life according to jesus not according to you know there's lots of people that want to live a a virtuous life but we're here to live love in our way like jesus so what is a flourishing life according to jesus and then the biggest question is how do we get it Yes. But what is it first? Like, what is Jesus talking about? What is he pulling us forward to? Mm, mm. What's it look like? So, and but before we go there, can mm. I make a couple of observations? Yes. Uh, twofold. Number one, because somebody could go, oh, this has got no relevance to the real world, man. What are you talking about, right? Ooh. And this is problematic because when was the last time in the church, in the contemporary church, you heard any discussion on cultivation of the virtues? Mm. That's a big problem. That's like missing greens out of our nutritional diet, as you know, in a culinary metaphor. Right? If you come to Encounter Church on Sundays, we're currently in a series of leaving love in your wake, and that's a virtue. That is a virtue. So yeah. I don't know what the other church. No, I'm joking. <laughs> if you come, we put the you in virtue. I'm joking. It's generally not something that it's upheld it, regularly. It does not get upheld, no, and right. that is because Featured. people think, "Oh, that's archaic. That's old." But funnily enough, right, the church is behind the times because. In popular motivational culture, the virtues are back, baby. The virtues yeah, are back. Yeah. Really? Yep. One of the most popular motivational writers is a Stoic philosopher called Ryan Holiday. Jason, you were reading Ryan Holiday. Oh, yes. Me about and found out he's only like 34 and he's yeah, so wise. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's incredible. My goodness. So, so he's, uh, he's written a series on virtues, bringing virtues back. He's not a mm. Christian. He's probably tends more to agnostic or atheism, I guess, but he's a Stoic philosopher and the Stoics are big on virtue and he has written, he's writing a series on virtues and, in fact, he's written a book pretty much on each one of the virtues. Wow. Right? Mm. Ego is the enemy. Um, discipline is fr- discipline is destiny. There's a few yeah. others. Called, uh, stillness is strength, something like that. I can't remember what it's called. But he's writing a whole series, right? And you've got CEOs, billionaires, athletes, sports stars, um, high-performance experts all flocking to read and digest his stuff because he's doing something that's been missing from our culture, mm. educating people on how the flourishing life is built around mm. the sacrificial and sweat-induced, um, you know, perspiration-soaked acquisition of internal virtues. <laughs> mm. So that's one thing, right? Secondly, in the positive psychology world, organisational coaching has fully embraced one of the most effective ways to create a flourishing workplace – Coach people in virtues. Yeah. And because the word virtues is old, they are now calling them character strengths or signature strengths. And they've worked out 
You know, if people are honest and good and loving and compassionate and kind and live according to deep values, that makes a better workplace. So now you can do a thing called the signature strengths test, which will tell you what your best virtues are and your motivations that will become better for your life if you let those fly and cultivate them, Mm. right? That's virtue training. It's all virtue training. So that's in modern culture. Every time there's a moral failing, society calls for more virtuous living, Mm. right? But how would we imagine people could do more virtuous living uh, if we're not going to train them in character strengths, right? And so now, guess what the military does? Character training. Guess what China did? They revamped their whole public service and said, we're going to get some Christian materials in to train people in character because while we're atheists and we don't believe all that God stuff, Christian um, character training uh, represents really? the best Even type of China. honest person, right? They've out of hand rejected God, yeah. but they know that Christian education creates better character. So they've embraced Christian character training, but you're not allowed to talk about the kingdom of God or the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. But you know, get the idea, wow. though, because... People are starting to recognise and cotton on what's missing from our culture over this season. Romanticism and existentialism and individualism have all sidelined the virtues, Mm. but they're leeching back because it is technology that's thousands and thousands of years old that says this is how you create the good life. So the first issue is a resistance to virtues is isn't that something that's super old-fashioned and irrelevant? And the answer is not not at all, not on Mm. your Nelly, (laughs) right? Wow. But then I think there are also some, some other... Uh, issues which are specific to the Christian engagement with virtue, right? Um, Christian tensions when it comes to virtue. So here's a couple, okay? The tension between faith and works is a good example. Mm. People might think, which we're not saying, that we're saying um, we make ourselves more pleasing or acceptable to God by cultivating virtue or working on the acquisition of virtues. Mm. We're not saying that. We recognize we are sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus. That doesn't change. It doesn't make us any more or less, you know, valued in God's sight. But this is what makes me more like Jesus. That's what virtue acquisition is. This is not can I please God more or can I not. You know, um, can I be a better uber person that doesn't need redemption? No, no, you cannot. You're not perfect and you can't be perfect. But um, we can cultivate Christian virtues and the New Testament's full of them. Mm. Yeah. The other one would be the fear of legalism. Oh, you're just trying to bring back rules to control us. But again, as we talked last week, rules are what you need when you don't have virtues, right? Mm. You've got to make rules in youth ministry about what you do because you're dealing with unvirtuous people. So on a youth camp, they'll be out vaping and sneaking into each other's dorms. That's why the rules are there. If you had virtuous teenagers, you wouldn't need that. In parenting, children aren't born virtuous. We Mm. recognize children are born evil, man. They don't possess the virtue of compassion and sharing and love. (laughs) You've got to teach them to do it. Totally. (laughs) So across all spheres of life, it's enhanced by acquisition of virtues, which is really interesting. So it begs the question, which Mm. is what you just said before, Bethany, how do we cultivate virtues? Well, here's what's interesting, friends. Here's what's interesting. How do we how do we bed these down? Whether it's Aristotle, whether it's the New Testament, or whether it's um, you know writers before and after for the last number of thousands of years, there's universal agreement on how you internalize virtues, how you cultivate these strengths of character. Right? There's not universal agreement on what the official list of virtues is, but there's there's you know they have serious overlap. And there's not universal agreement on why you need virtue and what the motivations for it are. But there is strong agreement on how you cultivate them. And Mm. the New Testament 
is in harmony with that whole body of knowledge, really. It is in harmony with that whole body of knowledge. It's in constant dialogue with it, coming and going. But it innovates in a couple of ways. And so what makes Christian virtue acquisition different from all the other, you know, Stoics, um, you know, Aristotle, Epicureans, the Buddhists, all that stuff? What makes it different? First of all, our motivation. Our motivation is different. Because from Aristotle, the motivation for internalizing virtues was to become a heroic person and to live a life of eudaimonia, to live a good life, to live the good life or the flourishing life. Really poorly translated as a life of happiness. But there's still an element Mm. of selfishness and humanism in that really, which is, oh, this is just for my benefit, okay? Now, interestingly, in the New Testament, New Testament writers place all character growth and development in the context of the gospel message and in the context of Jesus' universe-shattering life, death, and resurrection and his announcement, God is now king again. The kingdom of God is here. So character and virtue growth in the New Testament is not because I'm trying to have a happy life. It's because I'm trying to learn God is the king of the universe again. The the, the death and resurrection of Jesus enthrones the kingdom of God in Mm -hmm. time and space and points ahead to the eschatological realities that one day all time and space will be fully restored and invaded by Jesus, right? That's Revelation 21. God will wipe every tear from every eye. There'll be no more darkness. Um, So the universe is headed in that direction, um, triggered. The journey to that direction was triggered by the cross of Christ, And we live in between those two things. We live between the cross and we live between the eschaton, the the last things. So what do we do? Well, we look ahead to the future and we understand we are the people of the future that live in the now. And so the motivation for Christian character training in the New Testament is not to be a better person like a legalism. Mm. It's not to have a happier life, although it may give you a happier life, but that's not the motivation. The motivation is we have eternal life. We are swept up in the kingdom of God. Mm. And the kingdom of God corresponds to the nature and personality of God. And so what I should do is I should make my nature and personality correspond to who God is now because one day at the mm. end of times, the whole universe will be invaded by reality, right? That's yeah. the revelation um, you know, image. The heavenly Jerusalem comes down and it invades yeah. earth and becomes a global temple, a global city temple, right? Yeah. And then everybody, we don't need a temple anymore because the whole, you know, because the Lamb of God is the temple. And we live in that reality. So according to New Testament authors, looking ahead to that time tells me I'm a citizen of that world. And you know why I cultivate character traits and virtues now? Because I'm practicing now for what life will be like then. Mm. Everything will be holy then. So guess what I practice now? Living a holy life. Life Mm. without laws. Yeah, there's no law. Everything is the universe invaded by God's love then. Justin. Sorry. Justin, Justin, Justin. Yes, no, <laughs> the universe then um. is a universe invaded by God's love. So what do I do now? Mm. I lead a life of leaving love in my wake now mm. because right now what I'm doing is I am preparing myself for the future. That's the that's the New Testament motivation. That's called an eschatological mm. worldview in theology, by the way. And that comes from beginning the with the end in mind. New yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. The New Testament doctrine of you know mm. the last things, the eschatological worldview mm. of the New Testament. The end is on its way. The end has already begun in the person of Jesus and it's going somewhere, which is that thing. And what do I do when I live in between times? I live faithful to the future. I don't live according to this current age. Paul even uses mm. that terminology in the New Testament. That's right. I don't live according to this current age. I live according to eternal life. I'm a citizen of heaven. All of that is about those future realities yeah, yeah, breaking yeah. into the present. 
So when Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, he's saying if you want, your life can live according to the kingdom of this age or it can correspond to the biggest reality behind the universe, the kingdom of God. And so why I cultivate character traits and virtues now is so that I fit in the kingdom of God. Now, I do fit because I've been accepted into the King of God yep. by the grace of Jesus. But now my life is taking my position, my salvation, and making it equal to my experience, my sanctification. And I yes. am therefore being transformed in my character. So what is incredible is that the reason in Aristotle for cultivating virtues is so you can be basically happy, basically flourishing. The reason in the New Testament is because you want to correspond to the God that rules and reigns over mm. the kingdom of God. You want to actually belong to God and correspond to, right? Um, and that's why the fruit of the Spirit is not anger, wrath, jealousy, rage, all these things. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, because all those things correspond to the nature of God. So I allow myself to be transformed into the nature of God. So the motivations for cultivating Christian virtue are very important. But under all of that is a primary foundation. And this is what this really means, right? This is super interesting to me. The primary foundation of corresponding to the nature of God is why? Why, 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 why does it matter? Well, because in Genesis chapter 1, a human being is defined for us. And guess what a human being is? Mm, they are the image of, of God. God. They're the image of yeah. God. They are the reflection of of yes. God. It's the Hebrew mm. word Salem. In the Hebrew word Salem, in the ancient world, every town and village square or temple you go to has a statue of either a deity or an emperor. And then they got fused. The emperor was the deity. When you know who's in charge, who rules and reigns, and what rules belong here, I, I know that based on the Salem I look at. Oh, that's the Salem of Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon. Therefore, he's the one that's in charge. Mm. So I, his rules are the ones I follow. And so mm. in Genesis 1, the statue, the Tzalem that God, mm. the creator God puts in the universe so people would know who what he is, like, yeah. are human beings. Wow. Right? And so human beings are imagers of God. Our job is to image him, to reflect him. Right? So therefore, we have to know his nature yes. and live as a reflection of that nature. So think about this. A person who works hard, and it is, it's not working mm. hard to earn it, it's mm. it's putting in the, it the in effort sense, to pursue yeah. it, right? Mm. It's like loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, yes, and strength. Good. If I'm loving God with all my strength, there is effort. Grace yeah. is not against effort. Grace is against earning, you know. Mm. So if I'm if I'm doing that and I'm becoming more loving, more gracious, more peaceful, more joyous, all these things, right, what I'm really doing is I'm restoring myself in God's image and I'm looking more and more like God. How do I know what God would look like? Yeah. Take a good look at Jesus. And if I'm more like Jesus, then I am like God. Yeah. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus said. But why is that important? Because I want to fit in the kingdom of God. And why is that important? Because that's what I'm made for. According to Genesis 1, a human being fully alive reflects the nature and character mm. of God. That's what a human being fully alive is. The real good life, the real flourishing life is a human being fully alive that looks and tastes like the God that made yeah. it, that faithfully reflects and represents God. That's crazy. And so culture, my biography, my sinful nature, all these things my whole life has deformed me away from the image of God. But the gospel reforms me in the image of God and then says, now continue to learn and grow every mm. day in your how much you correspond faithfully to looking like Jesus. I feel like it's um, really interesting because Aristotle is very limit limited to this world yes. and like this kind of what's going on in your life mm, right now and present mm, circumstances mm. and the present people here, uh, maybe even generations to come. But 
where God is calling us higher and outer and wider into this limitless kind of yes. um, you know, kingdom that mm. kind of got, reigns mm. forever and mm. lives forever, which is just beyond us. The other thing I feel like is motivating is the whole fact that I get to, like, how do I shine him? I find that personally quite motivating. Is not only am I going to, like, kind of I'm getting to that point where then when I get to mm. heaven or get to the kingdom, then I'm kind of like, yeah, I fit here. This is my people. But yeah. also that then in the restoration of God's image in me is that therefore people on earth right now get a better reflection of who God truly is. Exactly. Which is the essence of Genesis 1, right? The essence mm. of Genesis 1 is that God makes a world that has a potential to become something. Mm. And he hands over the co-regency, the ruling mm. and reigning of that world. He doesn't keep it himself. He puts an image bearer in the garden and says, now you rule and mm. reign, you multiply, you fill up the earth, you complete its potential, right? Yeah. And then, but you're an imager, so you don't do it any old way. You do it in a way that reflects God's nature. Yeah. So humans were made and born with a mission to reflect God to the universe in mind. Genesis 3 is what fractures that mission. Yes. The gospel is restores that mission, right? That's what restores that mission. So the cultivation of the character traits, think about this, it's innately missional, right? Yeah, it's innately missional. Definitely. Why would I be loving? Because I'm a humanist? No. Oh, because I'm like it's all the touchy-feely feelings of, of woke culture? No. Why I would be loving is because love is innately missional because it shines God's true nature yeah, and absolutely. essence out to the universe, right? Mm. God is love. That's what John said. So it's like the the most missional thing I can do is live faithfully according to the nature and character of the God which, that I claim to believe in. Which then makes me bounce back to episode ago when we are talking about that love is a skill. Yep. It's something we learn. Mm -hmm. And so then as followers of Jesus, getting in conversations like this, being in practicing spiritual disciplines and looking our lives intentionally to create a virtuous life, mm -hmm. a flourishing mm -hmm. life, is with the endeavor to shine Jesus. Yes. Wow. To, to shine God. And how do I do it? You just said it. Well, love is a skill. Yeah. So we thought we talked last week about you know the focus and the, the trait acquisition, not just state change, yes. but trait change, mm -hmm. right? And so there is like... Thinking about it, meditating on it, yeah, you know, practice. practicing it, yeah. all those things, and that is what's so important about all that stuff. Man, this is not interior Christian quietism or pietism at mm. all. This is the essence of missional Christianity. Mm. John says it this way: "In this world, we are as He is." Right? We we we, we focus on Jesus and mm. we live like Jesus in this world. It's the full transformation, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's truly missional Christianity. Ben, what would you do when you do whatever you want? I would, without thinking and without conscious effort, be unconsciously competent in copying and emulating Jesus. That's when I've actually been transformed, right? When mm. I love someone, not, ah, oh, damn, I guess I better love this person, fine. But actually when when I've practiced and internalized and meditated and mm. been so transformed by the love and grace of God that I've, that I've learned to instinctually reflect him and if you think about people that you think do this extremely well they yeah. are Aren't they, they awesome? are awe-inspiring yeah. yeah. like and even if it's in a portion of like they don't have to be like i'm they not talking about 60 odd right? no i'm not even talking about yeah. like older i just mm. mean some mm. people like like i know some people someone very close to me they they forgive so easily yeah. and so well mm. like mm. it is mm. like so beautiful and so pure and so strong. Like it's just like it's inspiring to me because yeah. I feel like, man, you are so much like Jesus in this. Yeah. And it like pulls me forward because I go, wow, that's what Jesus is like. And then mm -hmm. even, you know, sometimes our kids do things or like, you know, like our family or people in the church, you think, man, that's so much like Jesus. It just like pulls mm. you forward. It's like the most beautiful yeah. thing to yeah. see. Yeah. And or inspiring in people that go, man, that is that you have got yeah. that. Because it's they've like internalized it, mm. like we said last mm. week. Mm. Internalized it and gone, man, 
this trait has become, it's who I am. And yep. then you go and you know that you've copied the father. And what a thing of beauty it is, right? Oh. Like none of us hate being around that virtuous person, right? No Sometimes way. we imagine that no virtuous way. is like, oh, self-righteous, but there's nothing remotely self-righteous about a virtuous person. Mm. That's It's like, man, they're truly Christ-like and they remind you of God and they make you think, man, that's something to live into, you know. It's none of us hate being around a virtuous person because they are wonderful humans. (laughs) Even um, recently I was talking to someone I do life with like relatively closely and I just was thinking, man, I reckon they've gone through a bit of a journey recently and I can kind of see it. Mm. And I was like, I think it's deeper than what I've seen. I've seen it over the last like 11 months, just really something new coming out. But I reckon it's reflective of like an 18-month, two-year journey Mm. and I had Mm. opened a conversation the other day and they're like, yeah. I really feel like God's like pulling something out of them, but you can tell yeah. because they they've gotten something of God, internalized it over a mm-hmm. long period of mm-hmm. time, and then slowly and steadily, I can then see it as a witness going, mm. "That's amazing. You are yeah. you are looking more loving than I remember, and you're wow. like more wow. soft-hearted, you incredible." Know? And I just think that is such a picture of transformation and the power of Jesus yeah. Yeah. and the power of internalizing mm-hmm. who Jesus mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I, I think it's really important to understand, though. Excuse me, <clears throat> that it was a. 12 to 18 month yeah, journey. Yeah. You know, in like the uh, yeah, cultivating but, yeah. virtues, mm-hmm. virtues isn't something that you just go, okay, I have to do all these things all at once. And, and if I don't do it, I'm a, I'm a terrible person. But like, yeah. it's yeah. just this ongoing awareness of situational valuables and yeah. variables, sorry, or habitual practice of just this constant internalization. And you know what's interesting? You might talk to that person. They say, well, no, actually it's 27 years. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know? Like it's not, it's not and something in a way that just it happens. Is. Yeah. It's, a, it's the staircase of development. It's like yeah. you know, they go up, then they level out, then they go mm. up, then they level out. But if you only knew them in the last three steps for the last five years, that's, you know. 20, that's a great point, Jason. Like it years. really is like, and there's something to be said about it, isn't it, that behind the scenes work. Mm. And huge. some and some things are really easy for some people, you know, like uh, you might be naturally forgiving. Like that mm. just might be a personality trait that you carry as a mm. person, but mm. you're not mm. naturally mm. Um, patient. patient. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, like that means that you need to be aware of mm. your, you know, your weakness mm. or mm. whatever mm. that you need to die to and, and sacrifice to God and go, hey, I just need to become more like that mm. don't pray for patience though uh, <laughs> do, do not do you know, that's basically the same as praying for suffering <laughs> yeah that's right do you know what i find interesting in this is just even as we're talking and finding these people or inspiring and but how much community shapes and forms us as people yep. to mm-hmm. be more like jesus that yes. it's not just me sitting mm-hmm. in my prayer closet be patient be patient, uh, yeah, be no, patient. No. you know it's actually the like the rubbing shoulders with people and go wow you're out. like jesus yeah, i yeah, can yeah. see what i'm aiming for well i love the way you spoke to that person and like even this journey of this podcast and the journey that we're on as a church mm. now vision mission and values has mm. already mm. had such formation aspects yeah. of our church life mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. living in community that's and right. how much that you then get the same things and then you repeat it like we're in the series of love and your wake series and then as you internalize it and you keep building upon it yep, and then yep, you notice yep. actually yeah wow i'm actually beginning to think and look a little bit different i just think man yeah. how powerful is that that community mm-hmm. helps shape and form us yes. and shift those traits yeah um yeah, yeah. shifts that process absolutely helps the process yeah super important mm. And mm. I think that tendency, like that danger that you were just warning against, Jace, like, oh, no, I've got all these things to do. Yeah, I've got to do it by next Wednesday right? type of thing. Like it can be overwhelming. But that's why for Aristotle onwards, the character traits, like they hung off linchpins, right? Because there's like if we brainstorm all of the good traits in a human being fully alive, right, mm. and especially Christian character, a human being that corresponds to the nature and character of God, mm. we're going to come up with 8 billion 
yeah, versions of things, true. right? So it's like, how would I yeah, work on all that? That's overwhelming, right? But for Aristotle, he says, well, here's four the cardinal virtues, the four cardinal virtues, right? And if you do those four, you've nailed everything So what are else. the four cardinal virtues? For Aristotle, oh, I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but I'll look them up. They are courage, which is, in other words for it, bravery, fortitude, honor, sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, think about this. Courage is definitely present in the New Testament, right? So the New Testament agrees with Aristotle as one as courage. Temperance, which we would call self-control, basically. Mm-hmm. The rest of the literature call it temperance. Self-control, moderation, composure, and balance, right? But think about this one, right? Self-control, because we think, oh, shouldn't eat that cake or, mm. you know, like shouldn't yell at the missus or whatever, right? Yeah. But actually self-control was widely valued in the Greco-Roman world. The Spartans. Mm. Have, you, have you ever read up on the Spartans? Mm-hmm. But that's so interesting because aren't they like a murderous bunch? <laughs> but the highly <laughs> usually so as well. Well, well, they usually are, but yeah. usually that murderousness is towards a others, right? So yeah. again, so they're not they're not Christian. They're, so they're highly like, They're going around well, like colonizing and killing everybody else. But mm. the the Roman army takes over the whole known world because of discipline, right? Yeah. Mm. And the Spartans, the the Romans copied and emulated the Spartans in some ways. One of the ways was right. The word for self-control in the ancient Greco Greco-Roman world, the ancient Greek word, it's our it's our word for self-control mm. in the New Testament. It's temperance or self-control in the ancient yeah. world, right? The Spartans regarded that as higher than any other value. Wow! And how they defined it was the fact that you were, if you had this, you were unlikely to flee in battle because you have self-control. So no matter how wow. overwhelming the odds, no matter how dangerous it is, no matter how scary or how bad the enemy is, you have the highest Spartan value, self-control, because which makes you... controlling. Me. That's right. You're the most reliable warrior because you won't flee in battle. Wow. And the Romans actually took that, and that's why temperance or self-control... So we just think of it as like, you know, a bit like airy-fairy or soft. But think about this. Self-control for hundreds of years was actually a warrior virtue, you know, like because you won't run away in battle. And why wouldn't you run away in battle? You Are you too stupid mm. to see the danger? No, you have self-control. Wow. Yeah. Do you know that's so interesting because we're watching a show at the moment called The Long Way Round, a uh, motorbike yep. show. Yep. It's pretty old actually with you and McGregor McGregor and mm-hmm. Charlie. From and Vroom. they are going from <laughs> London to New York on mm. motorbikes and mm. they get to mm. Mongolia and just things start going wrong. Like like mm. their whole mm. bike gets snapped and just oh, things. Right. And then like their, their car guys that help them, I don't even know, their support gear, yep. they have a full, like they roll the car. And oh. it's like it's fully smashed up. And there's this, all these little things. And their their response was, man, maybe we should just go back to Russia. Like maybe we should just go. To-. And so they are hitting like, you know, they're sleeping Obstacles, in swags. And like it's just hard. And so they're like, maybe we should mm. go back. But, but they love Mongolia. Mm. And so just after a few days and a few things, they went, oh, I, can't, I can't believe that opting out and quitting was our first gut. Yeah. Um, response, but they were still there. They were still there. They didn't yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. But I just thought I was sitting there going, man, that is so powerful. Like, that's so inspiring that you didn't quit. Yep. And so that's yep. equally yep. what we're kind of saying here too well, is the courage and the temperance how interesting to go, is that? stay, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Like because I think often when you hear talk about Christian virtues, they're heavily domesticated and romanticized. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, self-control. Oh, I wanted to lose weight so I didn't have another bowl of mm. tiramisu at Christmas. You know, like it's, I want to punch it's, the wall. It's I feminized punch the wall. and stupid. Right? But then you think, but there are incredible oh. strengths in oh, self-control. So, right? so good, it's yeah. like, man, everyone who's ever done something heroic has done it in the face of yes. odds that were telling them, quit, 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 you're not good enough. But they went ahead and did it. You know, like you think of Malala Yousafzai who gets shot in the head by the Taliban 
Taliban in Afghanistan and then still goes on to not only finish her school education but become an advocate for women's rights, mm. she has self-control. Yeah. That is a heroic yeah. virtue. You know? Even you think about like the martyrs of the Christian faith. Uh-huh. Like I heard mm, a story mm, of, um, I think it's Graham, is it Graham Staines yes, in India? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Like, yep. But even that, like just the courage and the, yeah, the yeah. self-control, the temperance in mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. incredible missionaries or martyrs that then it's it's heroic. Huge like, sacrifice. It's not, like yeah, it's not yeah. small like yep. at all. Yep. Like it's And these are not domesticated traits. This no. is not like, you know, because for me, like having the Diet Coke versus a real Coke, that's just like a domesticated, benign, yeah. shallow, shallow virtue, right? Oh, it's so self-control. It, yeah. It's like, bro, you're shelling yourself short. You could be living a heroic mm. life of ultimate sacrifice and, and bringing God's kingdom to broken and dark places in planet Earth. That's temperance, you know, mm. not, not just like, oh, one sip instead of two, you know. Mm. Yeah, wow. It's a great thought, though, isn't it, that, that when Aristotle's looking at these, he's not looking at just our daily grind. Yeah. necessarily he's looking yeah. at something yeah. higher and yeah. last week when we're talking about the virtuous life you used a word that i particularly like and it was the word strength mm-hmm. like it indicated mm-hmm. strength yes. and i feel like like when i think about people who live a virtuous life there is yeah. a strength to them because mm-hmm. they haven't mm-hmm. just bended to consumerism they haven't bent yeah. to you know living a happy life and being selfish or self-absorbed they've gone yeah. no this is the best they are principled they stand in the mm-hmm. midst of sometimes mm-hmm. what looks like sinking sand but they stay because yeah. they yeah. know that ultimately that's going to become firm under their feet Absolutely. you know and so I think that even these words, there's there's not a weakness to them. There's a like innate strength mm, that mm, like mm, you mm. know sees them kind of anchor in the midst of storms. Yep. Amazing. Well, it's an important yeah. point to think of, right? The virtues for us seem like these archaic kind of home style, old fashioned values or whatever. But for the Greeks, there was no word virtue because they were speaking you know yeah. Greek. And then this comes in the word virtue comes from the word Latin virtus, strength, right? So for the mm. Greeks, these are strengths. Cultivate the strength of courage. Yes, Cultivate good. the strength of temperance. And the other two are justice which it's synonyms of fairness, service, fellowship, goodness and kindness, you know, that comes mm. under that. Mm. And then wisdom. And but wisdom is knowledge, education, and truth and self-reflection. Mm. What I've got here is says there's practical wisdom. It's not just wisdom, but practical wisdom, yeah. which I thought yeah. was a bit more. Like wisdom can be so vast, but a practical mm-hmm. wisdom mm-hmm. can be quite... Yeah. Well, I, well, I think the the misnomer in the modern era is that there's such a thing as wisdom that's not practical, you know. Mm-hmm. But in oh, the ancient world, yeah. in the ancient world, all wisdom is practical, right? Mm. You know, they say knowledge yeah. knowledge is knowing tomatoes are fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in fruit salad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but so those those traits, though, are, are Aristotle's four cardinal traits, right? So the four cardinal traits are they hinge every other good thing hinges off those four. But mm. think about this. Jesus is smarter. Yes. He has one. one. <laughs> Which I was thinking that is, we can also yeah. sell it for wishy-washy. Absolutely. We can also yep. domesticate it yep. in like inverted yep. collars mm. when really it is strength. And it's equally as strong of everything we've just talked about Amazingly. in this other list, right? And Loving really God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, mm. with all your strength. What does it mean to love God with all your strength, right? And then what does it mean to love your neighbour as yourself? Well, that will definitely develop in you courage, temperance, oh, wow. justice and wisdom. Yeah. In fact, it takes yeah. a lot of those other things to do, right? But it's like there's nothing remotely domesticated about the true kingdom of God lifestyle. Mm. Mm. Yeah, which I think, again, we can sell it short, can't we? Yep. Like even in our teaching, in our perceptions of it, in our understanding of it, which we have tackled this a little bit, friends, yeah. if you're listening. We've tackled this a little bit in earlier Cases of like, what is love? What does yeah. God's love actually mm. look like? But I yeah. think this is a great moment to repause and go, man, it is stronger than strong. And if someone exhibits the love no of God, touchy, feely, woke stuff. no. And if someone exhibits it, most of the time when we're most astounded is because it's in the face of something that you think, wow, 
Yeah. I can't believe you could do that. Like if totally. you've learnt to love well, then it comes out in the testing moments. Like it yeah. comes out when someone's kind of, you know, yep. speaking unkindly or there's something that's happened mm. behind the mm. scenes of your life that's, you know, not yeah. been the great pattern or there's even just, yeah, I feel like there's like countless situations that aren't 100%. just domesticated but they require the strength of love and mm, mm, mm. which is founded in God and what he asks yeah. or says, hey, this is the life I'm pulling you to. Yeah. Inspiring. Wild. 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 Which, hey, if you know anyone inspiring that is in your world that you just think exhibits the love of God, can I encourage you to reach out to them, tell them they're awesome and champion that part of mm-hmm. their life. Mm-hmm. And um, I am sure that if you're listening and you're a follower of Jesus, there's some part of your life that you're probably living out and shining really well. So go you. Um, I think mm-hmm. that we are reflecting mm-hmm. the Father and we want to mm-hmm. keep working to reflect him really well. If you've got any questions, feedback, or anything else you want to ask or hear from us about, feel free to drop it in the com- comments. Before we go, anything to say? Wow. wow. That's, that's really how I felt like that with that whole conversation. So, mm, wow. Mm. Just wow. Yeah, I feel like we didn't get to the whole, but how do I cultivate it? Which there's yeah. a there's a good practical list, but we might just do that another week. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. forever to talk about it. All. The good thing is we've got a lot to unpack in it. So, hey, if mm. you're sticking around, how do we uh, can jump to those in the future episodes. But thanks so much for stopping by today to stay connected with us. It's Encounter Church TV on YouTube and Encounter Church AU on Instagram. We are all about leading lives that leave love in our wake. So until next time, maybe we can all find ways to do just that. Bye for now. Bye. Love you.